Um, last week, we started a series, just a little one. Uh, normally, Wednesday series are quite long, but this one's not so long. Um, we're just been talking about living like Jesus and the example that he gave us. Um, and uh, tonight, we're going to talk about loving like Jesus. So last week, it was about living like him. Um, this one will be about loving like Jesus. We're going to read a passage that we read last week. Um, in 1 John 2, 4 to 6, it says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. And I should probably move the slides as I read. And 6, He that saith, he abideth in him on himself also so to walk even as he walks. So if we say we abide in him, then we should walk and live the way that Jesus lived. So last week we talked a little bit about how our, our lips and our lives should line up. So if we say that we're a Christian, we should live like we are. We should be following him daily. And it should be evident in how we live, act, treat each other, talk, walk, dress, all those things. Things And we spent a couple months talking about holiness in that area. So we must show what it is that we say. The saying is, talk is cheap. You can say whatever. But if you can't back it up, um, it doesn't mean anything. So you can talk all you want. But if you don't live what you're saying, um, that says more than whatever it is that you're saying. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about loving like Jesus. So John 13 and 35, uh, we know this. It says, but by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So Jesus expects us to love each other. It's a sign that we're following him. And if we can't, um, we're going to be we're in a lot of trouble. This is, a, this is a sign that we are his disciples. So Jesus' death on the cross is the ultimate demonstration of love. In fact, it's how we know what love is. First uh, John 3 and 16 it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we know that he loved us, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And this may sound strange, but Jesus proved his love for us by laying down his life and by dying on the cross for us. The ultimate form of love is being able to put someone else before you. That's what you're supposed to do in a marriage. You're supposed to put your spouse before you. Um, that's what good parents do for their children. You know, that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, Jesus proved his love for us by putting us first. And the ultimate form by giving up his life so that we could be free. He showed us, um, showed us that we were more important than, uh, we can say this, than his comfort. In the garden, he, what did he pray? He said, take this cup from me. I don't want it, but whatever your will is, do it. Um, I'm not saying that we need to literally kill ourselves for each other. But we need to put others' needs and others ahead of us. Um, the old Sunday school. I don't know if it's a song. It probably is. The joy one. Jesus first. Yourself last. Others in between. That's a song, right? 
That's how it works. Anyways. If I could sing, I would sing so many songs when I was preaching. I'm always jealous of those preachers that just break out in a song in the middle. But, alas, that is not what God has given me the gift for. <laughs> um, so, others, we need to put them before us like Jesus um, did with us. And I'm not saying that we need to be doormats either. There's a flip side of that. Because if we're all loving each other like we should, we're not going to be taking advantage of each other. So some people can read that and be like, well, you got to do whatever because that's what Jesus laid down his life. And Jesus wasn't a pushover either. He stood up to all kinds of people. Um, so if we love each other, that's we're not taking advantage of each other. It goes both ways. That's not love either. That's manipulation. So with your family or children, you generally, you put their needs first. You make sure, if you've got kids, you make sure they've got clothes or food or whatever. Uh, often before you make sure that you do, um, because you love them. You provide and you protect for them. Because, you know, we, a lot of us didn't grow up with a lot of things. Most of us, I think, from talking to uh, you guys. And uh, the one thing everyone says that didn't, didn't grow up with anything, we, we didn't know we were poor. Because... We just had whatever we needed. We had we had the food we needed. We had the clothes we needed. Um, we because our parents did that. They sacrificed for for us because they loved. Um, and so with your family, you provide and you protect and all that. But they also eventually they need to learn to stand on their own. So that's also part of love. Um, teaching someone to be able to do it without you physically there the whole time. Which if you think about it, it's kind of um, uh, how, when Jesus ascended into heaven and sent his spirit um, to the disciples, he taught them, he trained them, then he gave his spirit to them to, to guide them. But physically, he wasn't there with them to show them everything in the physical sense. Um, they had to kind of figure out how to do things um, through prayer and through the leading of the Holy Ghost. And with our kids, you know, we're there if they need it, obviously, but we, uh, they need to learn how to do things on their own. And grow. So sometimes love looks like that, helping um, somebody get um, be more stronger, independent, or whatever. Um, yeah, that's something we're going to talk about. That's just a little preview, a little intro. Uh, but Jesus does the same with us. He doesn't always bail us out, but he's there when we need him. And he, he's allowing us to learn and to grow. And if you know we just do everything for our children, they'll never grow or learn anything. So. Uh, we can get frustrated with God when it seems like he's not stepping in and saving the day all the time, but he's trying to get us to grow, and he'll often do the same sort of thing with us. So, But if we're going to uh, we're gonna move on from that, we're going to talk about four of the different qualities of his ultimate demonstration of love and how he laid down his life for us, and then we're going to talk about how we can reflect that and show that um, in our lives. So... The first thing about the love of Jesus is his love was voluntary. Him laying down his life was a voluntary thing. Jesus was not a helpless victim. Um, no one made him go to the cross. He willingly chose to die on the cross. He wasn't forced. He could have escaped. There's a story uh, in the New Testament where they went to stone him. and um, He just slips through the crowd. They want to kill him. They got him up on the hill and they're ready to... 
um, get rid of him, and he just kind of goes to the crowd. They don't even know where he went, and he could have he could have done that again. He's done it before. He could have did that when he came to arrest him. He could have just slipped off into the dark, and they never would have found him if he wanted. Um, John ten. Uh, verse 11, said, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In verse 18, he says, going on, he says, No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my father. So no one took his life from him. This was because he wanted to. This was because he loved us. In fact, Hebrews says that he does it with joy. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. He did it with joy because he loved us and still loves us. He knew what was coming and he did it anyway. He knew this meant that there was going to be reconciliation. He knew that going to the cross, that sin would be defeated, that sin would be, uh, the sin that was destroying us was going to be destroyed of itself. And so he endured the cross with joy, knowing what was on the other side. He did it voluntarily. Um, if you've got a family or kids or whatever, uh, I mean, you love them, hopefully. Um, and, you know, the thing about like Christmas time, you make sacrifices generally to, uh, to get those gifts for them. Uh, maybe take a little less for yourself. There's an old story of the gift of the Magi. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, the husband and wife, she's got this beautiful hair. He's got this beautiful old pocket watch. And she sells her hair to buy him a chain for the watch. And he sells his watch to buy her um, a brush for her hair. And it's a story of a couple that didn't have a lot, but they sacrificed for each other because, because of their love. And that's what we do. We sacrifice for our family because we, we love them and we will do it with a joy. And then, you know, you, you save all year or whatever for, for Christmas and all that, and you, and you watch them open the gifts. They're all excited. Uh, there's a joy there. Um, makes you smile when they do it, right? And it's a special, it's a, it's a voluntary thing. You do that not because they're nagging you or they make a list. You do it because you love them. And it's a voluntary thing. It's a joyful thing. And that's how Jesus um, loves us. It's a voluntary thing. He laid down his life voluntarily. Um, this is a big word here, but his love is substitutionary. It's a good old word that we use in our everyday conversations. But so, if Jesus didn't have to die, why did he? Well, John 10 and 15, he said, uh, As the Father knoweth me even, so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The word for here is significant. It means in the place of. His love was directed towards us, and his love took our place. He laid down his life for us. He laid down his life in place of us because we are sinners, and like it or not, we deserve to die for our sin. Um, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and 23 and lets us know that we all have, and no one is perfect. No one has lived a perfect life, and we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of His 
And while we're none of us makes the mark uh, on our own, and what does sin do if we let it go and check James 1 and 15 says, The lust hath conceived and bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And Ezekiel 18 and 20 says something similar. But Jesus uh, took our place on the cross. He died instead of us. He died the death that you and I should have died, that we deserve to, because we're the ones that sinned. We're the ones that have fallen short. We're the ones that have broken the law and all of that. And that's what love is, taking someone else's place. Um, it's sort of like, you see these stories where a child does something wrong and they get themselves in trouble with the, the law uh, or whatever. And parents will sometimes try to take their place. They'll take the blame and say, oh, it was me. You know, and they'll try to take the punishment for themselves. If it's a serious crime, they'll, you know, oh, I did it. Don't try to cover up and hide for them because they love them and they don't want to see them punished and they're willing to take their place. Romans 5, um, 6 to 8, it says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man, uh, for, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure, that's a good word we don't use either, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On the New Living Translation, um, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Helpless means you know, without strength. It says when we were yet without strength, we couldn't do anything. There was nothing we could do to get us out of this predicament. There was nothing we could do to save ourselves. We were trapped. We couldn't get out. There was no hope. But Jesus shows up and he takes our place. He says, some may be willing to die for a good person, but Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. He took our place. And there's no greater love than that. John 15 and 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man... Lay down his life for his friends. It's the greatest kind of love in the world to sacrifice for someone else, to be willing to take their place. That's what the Bible says. And going from that, his love was sacrificial. Paul put it like this. Um, it says, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Um, substitutionary love is sacrificial love. He took our place. So he could take our punishment and be sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As you are unleavened. We all want to be new lumps. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. He compared the sacrifice of Jesus to the Passover lamb. Whose blood was shed and applied to the doorpost. If you remember the story in Exodus to stop the, the death angel from coming to the Israelite household um, before they left Egypt. And the lamb was sacrificed and the lamb died to save the family of the firstborn anyway. And Jesus' love was shown by him being sacrificed and dying to save us. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he was baptizing people, he said the same thing in John 1 and 29. He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. 
or the sin of the world. He's the one, he said, who's going to be sacrificed. He's the lamb that's come to take away our sin. And so Jesus' love wasn't just talk. He didn't just say, oh, I love you guys, and then just take off. Ephesians 5 and 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. He sacrificially gave and laid down his life for us and paid the ultimate sacrifice, despite us being undeserving. We didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway because of his love for us. Love will cause us to make sacrifices for people. Maybe they don't deserve it, but we do it anyway. The last point is his love was personal. We know John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that sounds a little impersonal. It sounds a little bit vague, right? God so loved the world. That's, that's a lot of people. Uh, but yet the love Jesus has for us, the love he has for his people, <coughs> each of us individually is quite personal. And Paul understands this and he writes in Galatians 2 and 20 he says I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lived in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me God so loved the world I'm part of that he loves me individually and he gave himself for me Individually, The sufferings and death of Jesus have to do with me. They're uh, about his love for me personally. He's a personal God. Uh, the undeserved love Jesus has for us is more than just something to be enjoyed. It must be duplicated and um, shown in our own lives. We are called to be like him and to follow him and to follow his example. And so we need to show it and display it and express it. And this is how we live like Jesus did. I'm reading a lot of verses, but it's a Bible study. First John 4 and 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Um, the NIV, or New Living says, Our life in this world is actually his life lived in us. Jesus' love for us must affect how we treat one another or others. Um, this one, 1 John 3 and 17, the English Standard says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So if we've got his love, it's got to come out. It's got to reflect. Uh, it's a pretty serious thing. Compassion is a direct result of God's love, love being shown in our lives. Um, you can't say that you've got the love of Jesus in your heart if you have no compassion for those around you. He says, if you see your brother and see that he needs something and you just close your heart to it, how can you say that God's love is in you? So Christians are supposed to be following Jesus and following his example. We're supposed to be like our Savior. And that's not merely just a suggestion. It's an obligation. We talked about last week. This mandatory mirroring of Jesus' life is specifically 
applied to how we are to love one another as believers. Second um, John verse 5 says it's an ageless commandment. We went through all the Johns. You remember that. Um, give you a new commandment. It's an old one. It's a new one. It's an old one because it's been around from the beginning. Love each other. So love is a the revelation of our salvation and of our knowledge of God. So four things about the love of Jesus uh, when it comes to the cross. One, it was voluntary. Two, um, substitutionary. Three, the battery's dying. Sacrificial. And four, it was or is personal. So if we're going to reflect come on. If we're going to reflect our his love Back to those around us, we have to show these things as well. So our love, first off, must be voluntary. Uh, it's not easy sometimes to do this. It's not easy. There are there are difficult to love, brothers and sisters. There are some people. It seems like it's their goal in life to not have anyone like them. Like, what can I do to tick everyone off today? Some of you are married to them. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> Some days it feels like that. Um, not looking around, no names. Some of them live in my house, Lucy. Oh, we all have different personalities, and some people are harder to get along with than others, depending on your personality and theirs. Um, depending on individuals, and that's why some of us are more, I don't know, we all should be friends, but some of us are more likely to call up a different person to go somewhere than we would someone else. Um, that's why you married who you married. Because you like them better than the rest of them. Hopefully. <laughs> and hopefully you still feel that way. Because um, believe it, <laughs> so how do, we, how do we do that? Like how do we love voluntarily? Um, by relying on the love we already have received from Jesus. That's the only way to do it. Because um, some people are, it's just hard. Um, it's hard for us. Some of us, it's hard to just love anyone. Some people, it's, and they seem to make it harder. Um, so we need to rely on the love we've already received from Jesus. Because there's days that you're just having a bad day and you don't want to be, you don't want to love anyone. You're just angry. Or maybe I'm just talking to myself. I don't know. You get up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever, and you just, I don't want to be around anyone. So the only way we can do it is rely on the love we've already received from Jesus. Um, because believe it or not, Jesus loves the person who you think is a, a moron. He loves them just, I know it's mind-blowing. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that word. Maybe there's a better word. I don't know. But he loves, he loves you even if somebody thinks that you're fill in the blank. He loves me even though you think I'm foolish sometimes. He loves all of us. It's a personal love, right? He loves everybody. And it doesn't matter what we think about each other. He loves them just as much as he loves you. And he loves the person who hurt you. And he loves... The person who's been hurt. And so we need his help and we need to rely on him to help us. Um, 
1 John 4, 16 says, We know and rely on the love God has for us. Romans 5 and 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The only way we can do this is with the Holy Ghost. I mean, unless you're one of those people that just love everyone. It just comes naturally. Um, but for the rest of us, we need the Holy Ghost working in our lives. We need His love um, working through us, through the Holy Ghost. Because without Him, we can do nothing. John 15 and 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We can't bring forth the fruit without Him. One of the fruit of the Spirit is love. Some of it. So we need Him to do it. But it's got to be through Him. As branches are tapped into the vine, um, we're supposed to be tapped into him. We can draw on his love and in turn voluntarily choose to love even the unloveliest person. Branches, um, they draw sap and they draw strength from the vine and they produce what they're supposed to. So if we stay connected to him, we should produce the fruit, um, that love. We need it. Uh, we need to give it voluntary, voluntarily, even if they're not asking for it. Especially if they're not asking for it. We need to give the love of Jesus voluntarily. Jesus did it while we were yet sinners. We didn't ask, we didn't care, but he did it anyway. And that's voluntary love. And our love must be... Um, Substitutionary. First John three and sixteen. Um, I think we've read this already. Hereby uh, perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Um, What's well, one of those verses? We like the first part of it, but the second part is the hard thing to do. We like, um, you know, He laid down His life for us, but we ought to lay down our lives. For others, that's a bit difficult. Um, it's not an easy thing because the love cannot be selfish. Love gives itself, and love lays down its self in place of others. Uh, as we see our brothers and sisters in need, we must, in love, involve ourselves in their lives and help. We put ourselves in their shoes and pray like it's our problem. You know, pray like it's our family that's going through the mess. Pray like their life depends on it. Support and help and carry and lift those weights and burdens. Put yourself in, in their shoes, as the saying is. To, if you want to obey Jesus, you want to be his disciple, you need to follow his commandments, remember? Um, Galatians 6 and 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is how we fulfill his law. This is how we fulfill his commandments. Um, this is what we're expected to do. Why? Because everything boils down to, oh, come on. Everything boils down to Galatians 5, 14 to 15. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that, it be not that ye be not consumed one of another. He said everything comes down to loving each other. But if you're always fighting with each other, you're going to destroy each other. Yourself, you're going to destroy them. You're going to be consumed. 
Um, our love must be substitutionary. It's easy to hate someone you know nothing about. Someone you're not close to. You don't put yourself in their position. You don't put themself, yourself in their, their shoes or, or whatever. If someone you're not close to, it's easy to hate them. It's easy to assume things. And we see this going on in our world today. It's something that's always been going on, but it's really taken off lately. Um, one side of an issue will make up something about the other. On, on any issue, both sides, I'm not... Uh, and then they'll apply that made-up thing to everyone who doesn't think or look or act like them and just attack. You know what I'm saying? That's just what we... This is a straw man fallacy. You just make something up and then hate an entire group based on that. It happens with different cultures. It happens with different nationalities and religions, political views, languages, um, anything. You know, oh, they're Christian, so they've got... They hate these people. Because they're a Christian, so we gotta write them all off. Well, no, that's not how it is. Um, oh, they're an atheist, so they hate God and they hate the church. Well, maybe some do, but others, you know, they're growing up not even hearing about God. They don't even know there's a God. Not every atheist, or someone who calls himself an atheist, hates you or hates God. They don't even know some of them. They've never been told. But if we just see it like that, and we don't put ourselves in their um, in their place, then it's just not going to be, not going to get anywhere. And we keep our distance because we have these preconceived ideas and notions about others, and really, really want to admit it or not, that's good old-fashioned prejudice. That's all it is. And when we work together, and we take care of each other, we support and pray for each other, we start to see things through one another's eyes, and that changes everything. A comedian said, never judge someone until you walked a mile in his shoes. That way, when you do judge him, you're a mile away and you have his shoes. <laughs> but seriously, that's we're supposed to be able to put ourselves in another's position. Jesus took our place. We should be able to, through the love of Jesus, be able to see where someone's coming from and put ourselves in that position and help and Come alongside our brothers and sisters and demonstrate Jesus' love by sharing in their struggles and helping them to carry their burdens. That's substitutionary love. And that's why um, I'm always saying we need to pray for each other. Um, and it's not just brothers and sisters. It's neighbors, too. It extends to everyone. God so loved the world. Jesus gave his life for us while we were yet sinners. So... Um, Anyways, that's substitutionary love. That's something we should be doing. And our love also must be um, sacrificial. Once more, Jesus' Jesus's love went beyond words. So don't just say it. We need to show it. Those that have been loved by Jesus will love and must love their brothers and sisters in tangible, sacrificial ways. Um, when we become aware of needs in the lives of our brothers and sisters, we already read that. How can you say that you you love you know, God, that you have the love of God in you if somebody needs something and you don't care? When we become aware of the needs in the lives of our brothers and sisters, we can meet, and we can meet that need. We must willingly share what God's given us to help them, um, to sacrifice and not be stingy and to 
Love gives. That's what it does. Missions. Uh, we just had a missionary here and we gave quite a bit and was very proud of how allowed to be um, of this church. And we always do with that. Um, but it goes with, um, with that, it goes with supporting each other, helping others in needs. And it's not always about money, it's not all about money. Sometimes it's just spending time with someone. Um, who maybe we wouldn't necessarily do or spend time with. Acts chapter 2, they sold everything and they gave it to the church so they could support everyone. Um, I'm not saying we need to do that, but that's what they did. That's how they showed that love. Um, when teaching about loving neighbors, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan and how he gave his time and his money and his compassion to help this stranger. And he said, who's the, who's the neighbor? The Samaritan. The other guys didn't do anything, but the Samaritan took time, helped the guy, brought him to a place, and gave the guy some money and said, I'm going to come back, we'll pay the rest. And he, he did what he could. He sacrificed and he gave to help this, this guy. So our love must be sacrificial. Uh, and our love also must be um, personal. So too often we're willing to love others as long as we don't have to get up and up close and personal <laughs> to them. Um, it's, it's easy um, to give money or food or something to, to a shelter, right? Or, or a missionary comes and we, we give an offering. And that's good. Um, but it, it's a completely different thing to give time and to serve. I don't know if you ever... Um, served in a place like a, um, I don't know what they're called. They give food out. In St. John, we had a place called Romero House. Um, we just free food to people. Um, or shelters or anything like that. I don't know if you ever had the opportunity to do that. Um, I've done it a couple times. And it, it makes it personal. It's one thing to just, Oh yeah, drop off some bread and egg, whatever, and just leave. But it's another thing to, to see the people and to help and, and to serve them in that way. Um, and it's one thing to give to a missionary. It's another thing to, to go um, on a trip and to see these churches without roofs. I know Sister Carter used to raise money um, to put roofs on churches in Ghana. And I've seen some of these churches without roofs. They've just got some branches um, basically, keeping if it rains, they're, they're getting wet, but it keeps the sun off a bit. Um, I've seen some of these things, and it makes it, makes it personal. Um, and our love should be a personal thing. And that goes in, in the church, too. Um, we have a need, so okay, we'll give. But, um, it's different to, to go and to help, and to be there, um, present with that person, to, to bring them that food or... You know what I'm saying? Well, hopefully, hopefully you do. Um, Paul writes in Romans 12 what uh, our love should look like when it's lived out. Um, it says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo, <laughs> outdo one another in showing honor. That's pretty cool. Um, and then verse 11, Do not be slothful in zeal. 
be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So love looks like serving, serving God looks like doing these things, loving. Um, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is how we show that we love each other. It's these things. It's rejoicing with people that are rejoicing. It's making it personal. It's weeping with people that are weeping. Um, going to those the funerals. Showing up at the house and supporting and caring and crying with people as they go through things and giving to, to the needs and having people over and being constantly in prayer, rejoicing in hope and all of these things, this is how we show that we love. It's a personal thing. Um, the New Living, verse 15, is, um, sorry, verse 9, it says, Do not pretend to love. Do not just pretend to love others. Really love them. So, it's, it's a personal thing. Jesus loved people in a very personal way. Think about the woman at the well. He met, he, sent, he knew she was going to be there because he knows everything. He sent his disciples elsewhere so he could meet with her so there would be no nothing, no nonsense from them. And he met her one-on-one -on -one and he took time to explain things. He didn't, he was just kind. And what does she do? She goes and tells everyone, come meet this man and told me all I ever did and all this stuff. And there's a rich young ruler and um, he had some questions and Jesus explains to him personally what he needs to do. And, uh, he didn't like what he told him, but he, he took time. He didn't say, well, you know what, come back tomorrow when I'm teaching everybody and you'll get what you need then. You know, Nicodemus shows up in the middle of the night. He explains to him what he needs to do. He explains to him salvation. And he doesn't say, you know what, come back later, Nicodemus. I'm busy right now. I'm trying to sleep. It's nighttime. Go away. You know, he takes, he took time every time. Lazarus, um, gravesite, he speaks to his sisters personally. Um, he he's loved people in a very personal way. Well, you think of the story of, I don't know, you talk all day about this, but the story of like Thomas, where Thomas said, oh, unless I can put my hand in the side, unless I can feel the, the scars, and I don't believe it. And Jesus takes time to show up, and he says specifically to Thomas, here you go, do it. Put, it, put your hand on my side. And he, it was a very personal love that he had for all of those people, and the very personal love he has for us. Even when he calls the disciples, it was personal. It didn't have like a big called one and say, hey, anyone wants to follow me, get in line. He came up to them personally and he said, you, follow me. You, follow me. Right? He loves you and me personally. And so this is the kind of love we need to show um, to, to others and personalize your love for the individual deeply and um, earnestly. First Peter 121 says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love for the brethren. Or not faked love to the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. This is something. You gotta love each other with a pure heart um, fervently, deeply, earnestly. Uh, when we stop seeing people as individuals, we just see everyone as this big group, our love suffers. Because it's easy to hate a whole group. Oh, the whole church is terrible. We're done. I'm done with them all. 
But then you start thinking about each individual person, and you're like, no, actually, it's the person. I don't know, I'm going to get myself in trouble. You don't, do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's personal, it's a personal thing. Um, but we just lump everyone together. It's easy to just write everyone else off, but personally, there's a difference. Um, love covers. Um, Proverbs uh, 10 and 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covereth all sins. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So if we're going to personally love each other, um, we can't keep holding things over each other's heads. we got to be willing to let some things go. Love covers sins. Um, we need to bury, bury the hatchet or whatever. We need to let things go. 1 Corinthians 13, um, 4 to 7 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. Uh, or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what love looks like, and that's the love that we should be showing for each other. And so, this isn't something new. We've talked about this many times. Um, I hope I didn't get it all balled up. But our claim to abide in him must be matched by our conduct. And we must walk just as he walked. Again, it's easy to say a thing. It's harder to live it. Um, in this world, we are supposed to be like Jesus. Um, if you remember a while ago, there was a, everyone was wearing bracelets. It said WWJD. Remember that fad? What would Jesus do? Um, the question shouldn't be what would Jesus do, but it should be what did Jesus do? Because he's given us the example. He's given us his word. He's given us all these stories of how he interacted and treated people. So we know what he did do. You can guess what he would do, but you know what he did do. And so that's what we should live, and that's what we should reflect and showing our world around us and following his steps. If we truly love God and others and live as Jesus did in this world, um, we won't be worried about what's to come. First John 2 and 5. Well, that was fun. It's good for the most part. Does that make sense? I think we can do it. I'll work on it. Well, let's pray then. Let's pray that God will help us. He's given us his love. Let's pray that we would um, show that in the world around us, to our family, our friends, brothers, sisters, church, neighbors, whoever. Uh, let's pray together.